movies like Top Gun or theater shows like Frozen, I'm always, always amazed at the creative skill and talent it takes to pull, them, to pull off such an experience. The conception of the ideas. You know, like, like somebody has to think about something that doesn't yet exist. Or they have to think about something that's never been done before. So just the conception of the idea. And then somebody's got to say, all right, how are we going to actually pull that off? How are we going to do that? And the creative ways that they, they, they the solutions that they come up with to, to make these things happen. And then, and then the technical skill. You know, we've got to design this. We've got to build that. We've got to, you know, create, you know, these type of things. And so just to be able to pull it off together. And I don't know, for me, it's just amazing. Now, some, some might say, oh, it's just entertainment. What's the big deal? You know, it's no big deal. I, I, I would think that it's much more than entertainment. I think it is a big deal. I really do. It requires the ability to conceive of an idea, to, to, to tell a story, to, to do, build something that doesn't yet exist, to create meaning and purpose through that event or through that experience. See, I think it's this ability to create that separates us from all other species. When the Bible says that we're made in God's image, I really believe, my opinion, that it's this capacity to create that the Bible's talking about. That's what it means to be made in God's image. The ability to express feelings and emotions in a poem or a song. Or to paint a picture of a sunset. Or to design a building that's never been built before. Or to discover a new way to satisfy your crying infant. (laughs) Or to perceive a different way to do your job that saves the company money. Or to get rid of the rattle in your car with a piece of duct tape. (laughs) Okay, See where I'm going with this? God has given each of us this amazing ability to create. Now, we might not make millions of our efforts, but our ability to create is just as beautiful and just as meaningful as any Broadway show or blockbuster movie that would come out. So then, if this is true, which I believe it is, if God has given us this ability to create, then it would seem reasonable that we would want to remain as connected to God as is possible. Now, the truth of the matter is that the responsibility for maintaining that connection is on us. Now, here at Grace Covenant, we believe that God is active in the lives of people today. And if you were paying attention, if we're listening, we will sense God communicating with us. And that's what this current series is all about. How to hear from God. In week one... We, uh, we discussed the idea, or I discussed, you listened, um, the idea that uh, too often we're not paying attention, that some of us don't hear from God because we're just not listening, we're too busy, we're going through life, and that we also discussed this idea that, that critical to hearing from God is, is the creation of space in order to listen, that if you're not creating space, if you're not intentional about giving time to listen and engage with God, it'll never happen. And the other thing we talk about is this idea that hearing from God is not some kind of a mysterious, mystical type of, you know, creepy thing. It's just through everyday life. It's just through the everydayness of life. Also in week one, we looked at one of the first ways that God speaks to us is through his word, the Bible. 
as we're reading the Bible, even though the words were written 2,000 years ago, and some, some of the Old Testament were written even longer than that, that, that it's not just this history that we're reading, that sometimes as we're reading that there's something in us that stirs, and it's the Holy Spirit giving us that nudge saying, this is for you today. That the Bible is a living document. It's not just a historical document. It's alive today and speaks to us today. And for Christ followers, the Bible is the primary guide for how we live our life. It speaks to us for the today, here and now. <clears throat> Paul was referring to this when he wrote his letter to Timothy, and he said, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That was week one. And last week, week two, we talked about this idea that God speak to us through our desires. <clears throat> we looked at the story in Matthew 14 where Peter got this crazy idea to walk on water. He saw Jesus do it and thought it would be fun. And we, we, uh, we, dis we, we discussed this idea. That we observed that, you know, Peter was impulsive, and that's really kind of the point. Not that he was impulsive, but the point was that to let, it, to let us know that it's okay to be who we are, that we don't have to be anybody special. We don't have to be like someone else. We don't have to do anything that God knows who we are, and he comes to us that way, and that he made you the way you are, and that's okay. Each one of us is wired differently. We have different interests, different desires, and if there's a dream that you've been carrying in the recesses of your heart, if you have this deep desire to do something, it's quite possible that God is leading you in a direction because he wired you that way. Last week, we also discussed the idea that God speaks to us through doors. And, that, and for that, we looked at um, Acts chapter 16, where Paul is on his second missionary journey um, of, of three. There's three different uh, journeys he takes in, in the book of Acts. So this is the second one. When he's going through present-day Turkey, and we, did, we observed the fact that the Holy Spirit kept them from going into Asia, which at that point in time, Asia was not Japan, Korea. Asia was actually western Turkey in that region there. Um, the Spirit of Jesus kept them from going into Bithynia, which is in northern Turkey, and that during the night, Paul had a dream, and then a dream... He was a man was inviting him to go to Macedonia, and they understood that God was actually giving them that direction. And so the gospel finally went to the continent of Europe because it was on Greece. Now, we don't know the circumstances that kept them from going to, into Asia and Bithynia. I can promise you, though, it was not literal. When it says that the Holy Spirit kept them from going to Asia, it wasn't like the Holy Spirit had this force field, invisible force field that was blocking them, and they you know, kind of crashed into it, and well, how do we get through? Well, I guess we can't. <clears throat> Nor do I think Jesus was standing in the middle of the road with this, you know, sword saying, you can't pass here, you've got to go back. You know, it was not a literal thing. They were just human circumstantial things that were happening that they then understood God was behind it. And they connected those circumstances to what they believed was God's intent. And so some of the circumstances, which, those circumstances which kept them from entering Asia and Bithynia, they perceived them to be closed doors. And the, in contrast, and then they perceived the dream that, that Paul had, that was God's direction for them, they perceived that to be an open door. And God will use circumstances to open and close doors for us. Now, it's important for me to you know, point out the fact that I can't always explain how God speaks to us. 
I, can't, I can describe it. I can say, here's what happened. But I, I can't explain it. I don't understand how or why God does different things. I just know that he does. But I also want, I think it's important to realize that the things we're talking about are in the Bible. We're not just making up stories, that these are things that have happened. And by and large, I think many of these, if not all of these, we could find people among our own self could say, that has happened to me before. And that's kind of what we're going to move in today. With that in mind, with the time left, we want to talk about two other ways that God communicates with us. And the, the fourth one in the series, the first one I want to talk about here today, is God speaks to us through dreams and visions. <clears throat> dreams and visions are quite often, I would understand them to be used synonymously. Um, there's a couple times in the book of Acts where it talks about Paul having a vision or Peter or Cornelius having visions. Um, I would understand those to be synonymous to having a dream as they were taking a nap in the day or at night or whatever. But uh, and we've already just talked about, you know, Paul having a dream um, and understanding that to be God uh, speaking to him. In the Old Testament book of Genesis, <clears throat> specifically chapter 37, there's a story of Joseph, 17-year-old boy, um, who has not one but two different dreams that he would understand is God talked to him about his future. Now, what's interesting is he tells his parents and he tells his siblings this, about the dreams. They understand the same thing, that, they under, that this is God talking to you about it. The problem was that he was just an arrogant little snot when he told about it. And so it made everyone mad at him, and they ended up throwing him and selling him as a slave. You know, it got really messy after that. But if you read through the story, you realize that the dreams do come true, that what the dreams that Joseph had were accurate and that God was actually conveying to him, this is what's coming for you. This is what's going to happen. <clears throat> God communicates to us through dreams and visions. Now, I've had three different dreams in my lifetime that I consider to be from God or spiritual dreams. Now, I know there's three because I can only remember three dreams in my entire life. I never, when I wake up, if I, and I'm, I'm sure I've been dreaming because they tell you your brain's always working, I, whatever I've been dreaming about is gone. I never, I never remember my dreams when I wake up in the morning, except for three different times. And each of those times, became, it was almost like, wait, wait, I remember this vividly. I, and it, I made the connection to what was going on. One time in particular, we were living in Minnesota at the time. I was between jobs. Our kids at this time were five Sam was five, Sarah was, I think, just turned two, and Peter was just born, a brand new infant. <clears throat> and um, in my dream, I'm back in college. Uh, so it was a familiar setting, context that I understood. It wasn't anything unusual. But it was the end of the year, um, a chapel service. Um, so there's about 3,000 people in this room. And uh, they're giving out end-of-year awards, which is unusual because they didn't do that. But in this, my dream, they were giving out end-of-year awards. And I was chosen to receive an incredibly prestigious award. I don't remember what it was for, but it was big. It was a big deal. It was a huge honor, and they called me up on stage, and everyone's clapping and cheering. And part of this award that I received, this honor, was that I got a two-week two trip to an international destination. I mean, it's a big, big deal. Um, the thing was is that even though I was given this trip, I had to pay for it. <laughs> that was the understanding. I had to pay for this trip. Now, as a college student, I've got no money. I mean, I got maybe a couple dollars to, 
you know, go to Quick Trip afterwards, you know, to get something to drink. But that was it. That, I had no money to pay for this trip. So I get up on stage, and, you know, and again, everyone just kind of knew that you had to pay for this. And so I remember saying, I am so very honored to receive this award. However, because I can't afford the trip, I need to decline it. You would have thought I, I don't know what, but there was just such an uproar. I mean, everyone, it was just, uh, I was just publicly shamed. I was humiliated. And I literally was banished from campus. Um, not, only, not only was I banished, I was banished from campus by Evelyn Roberts, Oral Roberts' wife, who is the sweetest woman you will ever, ever meet. I mean, never spoke a crossword, harsh word, never raised her voice, just, just the sweetest woman. And she was so mad at me and banished me from campus. So that's my dream. But I remember walking off stage. I remember I said, I want the award, but the price is too high. And as soon as I said that, I woke up. And I remembered everything I just dreamt, and I instantly knew what it was about. I just mentioned before that... Uh, that um, you know, I was in between jobs. I had just finished grad school not too long before that and was still looking for where we're going to be at our next place in ministry. Just two days earlier, I had been offered a job at one of our denominations colleges in the development office. And it was going to require a good bit of travel. And I just told you I have a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a, and a brand-new infant. And the idea of traveling... It probably, and if I remember correctly, it was something like three days a week I would be gone. I mean, it was pretty extensive. And the idea of leaving kids at that age, leaving Betsy alone with three kids at that age, was just, was just very troublesome. The, that idea, I really needed the job. I, I actually was kind of interested in the job, but I, that whole thing <clears throat> was just too much. But I woke up with those words, I want the award, but the price is too high. And for me, that price was being away from my family. And I, I instantly connected my situation to that dream. And that very day, I waited till actually office hours began, but I called the school and I declined <clears throat> the position. Um, and it wasn't too much longer after that that the ministry position did open up and, and God did open another door. But I believe God had given me guidance through that dream. <clears throat> if you're... Uh, uh, one of the things that we're noticing in the Middle East, in, in Arab Muslim countries in particular, the number one way people are coming to Jesus today, and it's probably been this way for the last 15 to 20 years, is through dreams. Because evangelism, proselytizing is against the law. If you were to share your faith with someone else, you could be arrested for that. But what happens time and time and time again, someone comes to find a Christian group and and they said, well, how did you know about this? Well, I had a dream. Jesus came to me in a dream, and he told me all these things. And it lines up with Scripture to a T. And how do you argue with what they say? And it's just, but it's amazing to see what that, what, what, how God can use dreams to guide and, and direct us. Now, I'll be honest. Let's just put all cards on the table here. Dreams are a bit tricky. All right? Um, you know, because it would, be, it would be easy just to say, just that, you know, Perhaps it was just my subconscious at work while I was dreaming. <clears throat> Perhaps. And it does raise a significant question. How does one know if the dream is from God or the result of last night's spicy Thai food? <laughs> right? 
Now, to an outsider, you know, if I'm telling them the dream, there's no context, and it's easy to doubt. It's easy to doubt, and, and, and to doubt is actually quite reasonable. I get that. But for me, the meaning was instantly clear. I knew what that was for. I knew what it was about. And for me, the intent was obvious. And I believe that if God chooses to, be, to speak to you through a dream, it will be just as clear and obvious to you. Maybe not right away, because I will actually talk about that in a second. But it is, he will make it very clear and obvious to you. He will confirm that in other ways. God speak to us through dreams and visions. God also speaks to us through people. In Acts chapter 9, we uh, read the story of Ananias and Saul, where Saul was the one persecuting Christians. He was not a Christ follower at the time, had been persecuting Christians, was on his way to another town to arrest more Christians. When he had an encounter with Jesus, he was blinded. And while he was kind of off, you know, recovering from that incident, God spoke to another man independent of Saul and said, I want you to go over to this place and I want you to talk with Saul and tell him about all these things. So Ananias goes to the town and had never met Saul before, didn't know. He knew of him, he knew of his reputation. But in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, we see part of his introduction uh, when he introduced himself to Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, the, it's a fascinating story how God used one person to communicate his intent to another person. God communicates to us through other people. <clears throat> um, no, there's another uh, incident uh, for me, and this, this only happened once, uh, but I was still in college. I was at uh, the doctor's office, um, and part of, uh, I don't know if it's just a regular physical or something, but after the exam, I'm getting ready to walk out, and um, a nurse came up to me, and she said, can I talk with you a minute? Um, and again, I'd never met her. I didn't know who she was. She wasn't part of the exam, so she was just kind of came up to me unannounced, and so I said, okay, so we went back into the exam room, and she began to tell me about my future. Um, and, and not like a fortune teller type of thing, um, and it wasn't weird and creepy. Well, it was a little weird, because um, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. But she began to sense, I just, as, I just think God has just impressed upon me to share this with you, and here's what I think God is saying to you. And, and essentially about that God has plans for me and that he will use me in other countries. Which again, was kind of vague, but it was, I mean, who goes up to strangers and says that kind of stuff? And I didn't even know if she knew I was a Christian, none of this stuff, but I just, but it happened. And in this case, God had used a woman to convey his thoughts and ideas to me. And Scott, sometimes what we discover, God speak to us for us, that he says, here's what I want you to understand. The fact is, sometimes God speaks to us for other people. And he wants us to share with other people what he is doing. God impressed some things about me to the nurse, and she shared them with me, and they were very encouraging. You know, very, you know, again, I'm a college student, it's like, what do you do with that? You just say, thank you? <laughs> you know, uh, it was, but you, know, you, you take it to heart, and you ponder those things. 
And it's things like that that maybe wouldn't give me that specific direction, but it let me know I was on the path and God knew where I was, and it gave me hope and confidence and faith as I proceeded through life. Very important. What she did is often referred to, and these days we kind of refer to that as a, a prophetic word. It's you know, pretty, very much taken after kind of the Old Testament prophets. That would, that those people, they would say, here's what God is saying, and they would speak to it more often than not a group of people. Um, but a prophetic word is, is, is strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. Um, now, sometimes they're confrontational. Again, you look at the Old Testament prophets, and their words were very confrontational. Um, but those words are always redemptive. They're always words that God will use to bring to, people back to himself, restore them. 1 Thessalonians 5 says that we should not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Be wise. God often chooses to speak to us through others, but the words we hear might not be from him. So I, I mentioned this, this one because this does happen, and it's incredibly valuable and helpful with the life of the church. But this gift, if you want to refer to it that, or this means of God speaking to us, is also probably the most misused means <clears throat> compared to any other means. I have, uh, un unfortunately, I have seen lives devastated. Um, I know of a, a young man who was uh, <clears throat> part of a church. Um, not, this is a long time ago in another state. And the senior pastor said to them, I think God told me that you're to marry that woman who was a single mother of two kids that had just recently started attending the church. And so he did, because God told this man through him. So he, the, the person understood that God was speaking to him through this pastor. It didn't end well. It didn't end well. And I think many of us can think back to accounts or stories, whether they're personal to us or people we know, where somebody spoke to them as if it was from the Lord when it clearly wasn't. So, when that happens, when somebody speaks to you, you always need to consider the source. Who is this speaking to me? And why does their opinion, or should their opinion matter to me? Or should their words matter to me? Um, and the simple fact is, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and, and so, you need to just consider that. You also then need to pass the word through the filter of Scripture. God will never ask you to do something that is contrary to what he's already stipulated in this word. Amen. And so if, if someone tells you this is what God is saying you should do, and it contradicts Scripture, then you can say, you know what? That's not God. I don't know who you are, but I'm not listening. I'm not paying attention to that. The other thing, too, I think is really important, because sometimes it's not always obvious. Maybe, not, maybe it doesn't directly contradict Scripture, but it, we, nece we can't necessarily find support for it either. I don't think there's anything wrong with just holding the word for confirmation. No one says that you have to act on it today. And so you sit on it and you just see, because here's what I am convinced of, and we saw this last week as well. Remember, I just referenced it a little minute ago, when, when Paul and his followers or his associates were going, that they tried to go one area, the Holy Spirit kept them, if God is wanting you to go somewhere, he will confirm it through more than one way. We see that time and again. And so if someone comes and says, hey, here's what God is saying you should do, um, you, you, you can hold that. 
and just say, all right, God, if this is really you, I need you to confirm this. And obviously, I mean, if he's just saying, you know, <laughs> you know it's the difference between, you know, Betsy saying, you know, I think God's, you know, you should wear the, you know, the blue shirt today, you know. I don't need to hold that. I mean, that's kind of a big thing. But, but if we're talking about something that's life-changing, I think that's important. To, one, I think we need to consider it. I don't think we should just discount it out of hand. But we need to actually kind of work it through. And maybe we do come to the conclusion this isn't from God and I'm not going to listen to it. But uh, we just need to be careful. So here's the thing about the two ways we looked at today, this idea of dreams and visions and then this idea of God using other people to speak to us. Um, in both those situations, there's nothing you can do. You know, if we're talking about God speaking to us through his word, the Bible, well, you, you, know, you need to be reading the Bible. I'm not going to tell you to go home and take a nap, you know, and hopefully, you know, unless you're tired. But, but it's not as if I can, you can like, I'm going to go to sleep so that God will, I can't force God to speak to you through a dream. So it's not like you can, you know, sleep a lot as kind of rehearsing for God to do that. <laughs> Nor can you, can, you, can you mandate that someone speak to you. You know, what is God saying to me through you? Um, you know, you can try that and... But that usually doesn't work well either. So there's really, I can't really say, hey, this week, here's how I want you to practice, or here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> In both of these instances, God interrupts regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Just like the movies or a Broadway play, God wants to do cool stuff in our life. He really does. The question is, are we paying attention? Are we paying attention? God is still speaking today in a variety of ways. My prayer is that we have ears to hear, that we're listening, hearts to discern, and then a willingness to obey what he might tell us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity, for a morning to, to gather together, gather with friends, to uh, share stories about our week, to just reconnect and just enjoy one another's company. But Father, as well, we've come to uh, engage and encounter you. And Lord, I trust that each of us has just sent your spirit during times of worship, during times of prayer, quiet reflection. Um, Lord, even a word that may have been spoken today would bring encouragement and hope and clarity about what you're doing in our life. I am so thankful, Lord God, that you are active in lives today. We may not always feel it, and we may not always sense it, but Lord, we can trust it. We can trust you. So Father, my prayer first and foremost is that each of us would be intentional about creating space in our life to listen. Whether it's taking quiet walks, uh, just reflective prayer, reading, just sitting quietly, journaling. There's so many ways that we could kind of clear that space and allow you to speak to us. Help us not to be afraid to ask that question. Lord, is there anything you want to say to me today? May give me, Lord, may we have courage to ask that question daily. What do you want to say to me today, Lord? What do you want to say to me today? And then, Father, may we position ourselves to hear what you would have to say. So, Lord, I, I ask and pray that uh, if there's any here today that are needing direction, uh, they're needing confirmation to make a decision in their life that they would hear from you. Uh, Father, in very clear ways, whether it's through the reading of your word, 
whether it's through a dream, whether it's through someone else talking to them, uh, whatever, Father, I just pray that they would hear you and they would hear you clearly and that you would provide the direction that they so desperately need. So, Father, thank you again for your love and mercy. Thank you that, uh, uh, that we serve a living God. We serve a risen King. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray all these things.